Hello everybody and welcome back to another episode of Oddly Unexplained, but more specifically another our first episode of our very special week, which is Messy Persons Week. So would you like to give us a bit of context on that, Isabella? Sure. So um I personally we have done a lot of research into a bunch of different missing persons cases. Specifically, I think they're all children or very young people's missing persons cases throughout history and we're doing this week as sort of an awareness week to the dangers of kidnapping because it happens all the time and I don't think that people fully understand the dangers of it and how it can happen to literally everybody. So just a bit of viewer discretion this episode may contain themes of pedophilia and minor of murder of minors as well as like drowning and like water things as well so it will be a bit of a sort of a, it'll be a, a bit it'll be a bit so just a walkthrough we are doing the missing case of the Mo the Beaumont children sorry uh English is not one with me today so the missing case of the Vermont children which is the longest missing case and the most famous in Australia to this day so Let's get into it. So we're going to go over this case in a few stages. The first stages I want to do is the victims, because obviously they are the most impacted and the ones we should be talking about. So there are three victims in this case, the three Beaumont siblings, Jane, the eldest, who's nine years at the time of abduction, Anna, who was seven, and the baby of the family, Grant, who was four. They had two parents, Grant, who they called Jim, and I think we will, re like, refer to him as Jim during this time, and Nancy Beaumont, who had married in December 1955. Jane was described as a studious, smart, and very loving of her siblings and very loyal. Anna was described as the comedian of the family. She had a cheeky sense of humour and made her whole family laugh. Grant was a quiet little thing who was very kind and loved his siblings very much. So, on January the 26th, 1966, which is the day of the abduction, Adelaide was bursting with people celebrating Australia Day. It was a hot summer's day and the Beaumonts had just woken up in a bundle. They asked their mom if they could go to Glenig Beach, I'm probably saying that wrong, which was a five-minute bus ride away. They'd gone the previous day, and Nancy and Jim weren't worried. The times were different. That the times were different back then. So what I mean by this is, you wouldn't let your nine-year-old go to the beach by herself. No, nowadays there's too many people, and we know more about the dangers of this world. Mm -hmm. But like back in 1966, this is what everyone did. Like, and it very rarely went wrong. Very rarely, on rarely, rarely, yeah. <laughs> They had, so, their daughter was a responsible child. They ran through the rules and gave them a collection of coins. Coins. Just remember that word. Coins. Their father, Jim, was going on a business trip for the next three days, on this day. Um, and he watched the kids go for a little bit and get on the bus. They were all safe, acting responsible. Jane would line up all her siblings and they would walk in a line. Yeah. Um... Unfortunately, the Beaumonts haven't seen their children since that day. Dun, dun, dun.
Now I want to give you a timeline, but keep in mind this was a rough, a rough timeline because nobody in those days carried smartphones, so they couldn't just check the time. And why would you wear a watch to a beach? And generally, their technology wasn't advanced, like waterproof watches and Apple watches and stuff. Yeah. So not when, generally, like. So this is estimates based off witness accounts, and as well as the amount, the times the parents said they left and the time they were meant to come back, that kind of thing. So eight forty-five, they got on the bus. They were on the bus, and the bus driver said, "So Jane had this book, Little Women. I'm sure we've all read it." It was a book she really loved and the whole day she was carrying that book of little women i don't know why it's just a really cute little thing it's very it was very like between 8 45 and around 11 15 they were confirmed to be at the beach but for some time they were playing with a suntanned man in his mid-30s no just red flag if there's ever a suntanned man or any man who comes up to you and your siblings on the beach run <laughs> and like I was listening to a case the other day, it was the case of the Genesee River Killer, and it was just like this, he would approach children and, like, play with them. Okay. And that's not a normal thing. It, it's not. Yeah. Um, so, but the kids were very, like, um, untrusting people. Yeah. And I just want to say quickly that Anna had made a comment the day before to her mom. Oh! Jane at the beach, she got a boyfriend. Interesting. Which is, originally, as I said, she was a comedian. Her parents were just like, oh, look at you and your little sense of humour. But I'm connecting that. Like, is this guy. Mm, and they looked like they, they were very comfortable and happy around him. Interesting. And there was also a woman who came forward and said that she had seen this man and he had talked to her. He said, oh, the children's money is gone. I'm helping them find it. So, this will come on later in the future, but if a lot of abductors, they make you dependent on them. Yeah. Or make you feel like you owe them something, which you never do. It's a good technique. That, well, it's not a, it works, but it's not a mm. good technique. So, it's sort of, they will do something, and it's usually money, because it's usually the thing that people, their plan is to make you feel guilty, so then they can trick you into doing things. So, like, in this example, because their money was they didn't have money and he lent the money which we'll talk a bit more about later but like is there a chance that he stole their money i think it's true though because and a lot of times you see that you know they steal their purses and they're like oh sorry i can't pay for the bus ride and they're like oh no it's fine i'll get it for you but then they they think when this person who lent the money goes like oh can you come and help me build a fence in my backyard they're like yes mm. when they know you see that with like the, the thing where they're like oh i have candy in my car yeah or I have a sick puppy in my car, come quick. I need your help. And it makes these people feel like they're dependent and that they have to and they don't have a choice because they relied on this person. Exactly. So then from, so 11.15 to 11.45, they were seen around the shop area walking by themselves. And there was one account of a postman who just saw Grant, who's the little one, the four-year-old. Weird, right? That is definitely weird. Like, why would the little four-year-old boy be by himself? It's weird. So, but they were then between 11.45 and 12 o'clock, which was when they should have been got in on the bus. Mm. They agreed to take the 12 o'clock bus home. So, they went to the local bakery and got a few pasties. So, like, three pasties and a singular meat pie. 
weird because none of the children liked meat pies. So they were getting a meat pie for someone else. Was it this suntanned man? Mm. Interesting. They also play, paid for it with one pound note, which huh. in those days was like quite a bit of money. So again, like did this guy steal their money, give them a note to make them dependent? Like, interesting. And I think they also, I saw this, like, on one site, but not another, that they got, um, uh, soda as well. But I only saw this on one site. Huh. They got, like, two big bottles of soda. Just wanted to mention that. So then, at three o'clock, the postman, the same postman, says to have seen three children around their age. He didn't know, he didn't see them, he didn't talk to them. Like, he saw them, but he didn't, like, see their faces. That he thought could have been the Vermont children. Yeah. At three o'clock. I mean, so I just want to set the scene for you. The mum had just got home at two o'clock um, because she was with one of her friends and she got home like at two o'clock when, sorry, at 12 o'clock when their bus should have been like home. Yeah. But um, they weren't home. So she was like, oh, they must have missed their bus. But when the two o'clock bus came, they weren't there either. So she calls, calls um, Jim and is like, oh my gosh. Our children are gone. Huh. So she starts looking and Jim comes home around three o'clock and starts looking as well. At 5.45, they call the police. And there is an amber alert. Interesting. So now I want to go into the suspects for this abduction. Now, I also do want to say there were a few things with them. The Little Woman magazine their clothes, their swimmers, mm. and um, that Jane had a white purse, keep this in mind, a pristine white purse, she loved very much. Mm, interesting. Okay, so, suspect number one, Harry Phipps, he was molesting his son. That's already. So we know he has an interest in children. Children. So he was around the area. Mm -hmm. He fits the description. The son claims to have seen the Beaumonts in his backyard. And he also claims that his dad, that Harry Phibbs, made him dig, him and his friends dig up like a two meter deep hole in the backyard for money. They dug up this hole and they didn't find any human bones, which I found it really weird that they said they didn't find any human bones. Like they were expecting to find these kids in this hole. No, like the fact that they said... We didn't find any human bones. Like, what other bones did you find? Like, did you... I guess... They couldn't find other things. Mm. I guess that's So, but the hole had been, like, dug up a lot of times. Yeah. Which was, like, red flag there. And, oh, okay. So, they went into the house. Like, they busted into the house. They got a search warrant. And his wife, Harry Phipps' wife, they went down to the basement. And on a shelf in their basement... They found a pristine white purse, identical to Jane's. Did it have anything in it? They didn't check. See, that's They weird. were going to take it in, but the woman said, Oh, no, I went to the op shop yesterday. I picked that up at the op shop. Ain't it cute? But um, they didn't get time to check it, and they came back the next day, and it had been thrown out. And she was acting like, Oh, my God, what are you talking about? So that's, that's a big red flag there. So this... Like, obviously, we haven't gone to the others, but, like, the fact, like, obviously, the son, do you know how old he was at the time? 14. Okay, so that's old enough that he's not making this up. No, not when he said this. He was, like, 40 at the time okay. he said this. He was 
14 when he saw the kids. Yeah, yeah. But, like, it's, like, I... If he was, like, five at the time, I could imagine he, like, made it up, maybe saw them on TV and mm. was, like, oh, you know? But if he was 14 when he, like, he, he was 40 when I made, when he made the report, but he was 14 when it happened, I don't think this is fake. You That's never just, know. But you never know. And that day he heard gunshots as well, but mm. he said, That's not unusual. My dad was always just pew, pew, pewing away, which is weird. Very weird. I don't like that. That's not normal. Obviously, guns are banned in Australia unless you have a license. And only people who really have a license are like farmers, farmers to um, use on mm. livestock. Oh, so it's a bit weird. It's a bit weird. So, next, our next suspect. Bevan Spencer, he already had committed murder of a minor. He fits the description and he was around that area. And he told a man at a bar that he kidnapped three kids from a beach and that day and, quote, committed brilliant surgery by connecting them together. But one of them died, so he killed the rest of them and buried them in the Adelaide bushland. That man became an informant under the name mr b but this man was also a criminal so he's not the most reliable source also at a bar and this we saw one... that a bit with the metal and cane case yeah definitely like you see things going on and people come forward and say stuff but and what triggered it i think they were on the news yeah so it wasn't like i think it's usually like like if it's just, like, out of the blue, I'd be more suspicious than it was on the news. Because, like, something has to, like... In a bar. They've always got TVs going in a bar. Like, mm. I don't think that that's a very reliable source. So then, our final, like, suspect was named James Ryan O'Neill. He killed other people. Was probably around the area. He fits the description. And he has a condition where he disassociates himself from his murders to a point where he can't remember them. In his exact words, I could have done it, but I really don't know. I wish I could tell you, but I just don't know. Now, that's really weird. That's really suspicious. But at the same time, that is, I'm um, actually, it's again with the Genesee River Killer case. Um, Essentially what they were talking about is he said this. He was like, maybe I forgot, maybe I did it, I don't know. And they they did research studies and it is a thing that often. Disassociation. Yeah, from, or like, I know we talked about this a little bit in the Zodiac Killer, but. Often when murders, when you commit a murder, um, people will go by a persona or have some identify, identifiable thing when they only use when they kill. And so that sense, they say, oh, I'm not wearing that yellow shirt that I kill in. Sorry. Like, they, and it just goes out of their mind. Yes. And so that could, it's a very real thing. So now quickly on the point of cases, I want to talk about the Adelaide Oval case. It was the abduction of two girls. Joanne Radcliffe, who was 11, and Kirsty Gordon, who was 4, in South Australia. They were at a football game and abducted, and their bodies have never been found. And there are no have been no new leads in a while. So they suspect that the Vermont children is linked to this case, and it's the same case, like the same, like, killer. Okay, so they think it's like a... My question is, what are they doing with these five kids? Like, if it, let's say it's the same person. It's just, I don't understand why people all, like... It does annoy me sometimes when there are clear connections between cases, but they don't make them. But at the same time, they were sort of in a similar area. They sort of fit the same kind of vibe to them. But at the same time... I think part of them connecting them is they're just long-running Australian cases. I think, like, 
people just like to connect cases and sometimes like I know I think a big part of it is is that in this true crime community that we are a huge part of a lot of what gets people hooked is serial killers and serial killers are they do connect and they do have mass amounts but that's because you've compiled them I think this is like I think this theory is, you know that H.H. H. Holmes is Jack the Ripper? Yeah. I think it's sort of along these lines. Like, it's like, eh, I mean, he could have been, but really. So the last thing I want to talk about is the letters. About two years after the disappearance of the Vermont children, uh, Nancy and Rant Jim received a letter claiming to be from their children. It said that the man who kidnapped them had treated them very well, but he had felt bad for the parents and would give them the children back from a shady location as long as they didn't involve the police. They went to this location with a family detective. There was no one in sight. They only ever received one letter from the abductor who said the deal was off because they brought a detective. Years later, they tested the DNA and traced it back to a 17-year-old who had wrote to them in 1969 and was 41 now. So he didn't get convicted of everything. Now, obviously, obviously, this that's wasn't real. so sick. It's so sick and so horrible, and like this wasn't a real threat, but it does happen. Like, why would you? Like, I know we sort of talked about this in the Lindbergh case when they got this letter from this like mysterious James guy that was like, "No police, and we'll return the kid." And there are kidnapping cases like that because they kidnap and they don't realize what they're doing until after they've done it. And then there's this remorse. And that's the kind of thing, that's why serial killers happen, because they're psychopaths and they don't have that remorse. But most kidnappers do. And so what happens is they go, I want to return the child, but I don't want to go to jail. Mm. And so I feel like there could have been a better way to do it than bring a detective I with think, you. I think the family detective wasn't very known. I think... But, like, it I, was just, it was a bad situation. You can't blame the parents. No, you can't. I'm not saying that. But I feel like if they actually were considering this enough, like, maybe they didn't even think it was vaguely real. But I feel like if it was me in that situation, I would maybe try to make the detective or the police officer a little bit more hidden. Mm-hmm. Like, this wasn't real. But I just think that it's a little odd that they sort of just rocked up with this detective. Um... 55 years, 9 months, and 14 days later, we still have no clue what happened to the Vermonts. So I quickly want to mention, I have some questions to ask you, Isabella. What do you think happened? We can also, I didn't like talk about this, but there is a possibility that they got stuck in like a cabin somewhere. A cabin? Like an ocean cabin. Oh. And died. Or like they drowned or something. But the weird thing was, none of their stuff was on the beach. Okay, yeah. I don't think it's that. Personally, I think it was this. Now, obviously. Because the two youngest kids couldn't swim. Mm. Um, just quickly, disclaimer before I go into this. Um, um, we we have no power over this, and so we are going to make our guess. But no, we are not saying that one specific person is guilty, and they'll till they have been proven that way. Just wanted to say that before I go into this. But out of the suspects you've listed, I think the most likely one to me is the Harry Phipps man. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Solely because of this man. Like, he's interesting. I think it just, the fact it's his son, that's what's putting me off. And I think we can't know if that's solid proof, and this case can't be solved. Like, it's very unlikely that this old of a case will be solved with so little evidence. But 
I just, based on what I have been given from Astor's amazing research, I think what really stands out to me is him and just the son saying that. Mm. That's just, I think that's um, gotta be it for me. I honestly think, agree, I agree with the Isabella, but until they find a body or just, a, or the Beaumonts, hopefully they find the Beaumonts, that would be best case. If they find a body, then I think it will only know then. And I agree. I do want to say, unfortunately, um, the Beaumont's mother died a few years ago. Mm. Never knowing what happened to her kids. Jim and Nancy did get a divorce over the stress of this. And Jim still lives in Adelaide near that house, just hoping that one day his children will come back. On that note... If you have any information on the Beaumont case, please contact 1-800-333-000 Crime Stoppers. Or if you live in America, your local police station will get, get you onto this. So, some places you can donate if you feel the urge to donate to this. So, we have actionagainstabduction.org, www.childrecoverychapman.com, findthechild.com, childabduction.org, which is in the UK, and www.reunite.org. So all of these are non-profit organizations that work towards bringing home missing people, and a lot of them are more specifically missing children. So if this case has inspired you and you are interested in maybe learning more about the cause, learning if there are currently missing children in your area, in case you spot them. That is one of the most important things and one of the biggest advice I can give you. Because, like, you have to think about it. It's not these people's fault. But if they had seen, like, stop that girl that day... It's true. Oh, gosh. We wouldn't have to be telling this story. So, on a positive note as well in the Australian true crime world, Cleo Smith has been found after 18 days. And I think that is just amazing. The WA police are amazing human beings. Um, I think that's really, like, a positive. I want to end this on a positive. Because missing children do get found. And, and it's usually by the public being aware of what's going on. And mm -hmm. that is what this week is really about. But. Before we close up, I do want to run over socials, like always, in case you want to get in contact with us, possibly about a suggestion for a case, or just if you want to talk to us or have some theories. Um, you can go to TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook at Oddly Unexplained Podcast. And you can also go to our website at www.oddlyunexplained.com. We post weekly blogs up there, as well as that is another way that you can get in contact with us if you wish. Goodbye, everybody. See you next time. Bye. Make sure to lock those doors.